What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Anti Up Podcast, Fantasy Alarm Podcast, here on the Sawdust Podcast Network. My name is Justin Fensterman, in for Howard Bender, but still with you, as always, is Adam Ronis. Ronis, what's going on? You happen to be stuck with me some more? Not really. I had enough of you, but hey, the show must go on and we have to get it done, so. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, we've got some big news with the NBA with teams advancing in the playoffs, but let's start with a little fantasy football first, Rodas, and talk about Leonard Fournette signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have to ask you this, Rodas, when you're thinking about his draft stock, and I saw him going, and especially for those that thought that Jacksonville was going to run him into the ground, I saw him going mid to late second round in drafts. Some saw him slip to the third. I was not one of those people. Where is his draft stock now that he has a home? Yeah, I saw some early high stakes drafts. One saw him go in the third round. Another saw him go in the sixth. I lean more towards the sixth. There's going to take some time for him to get acclimated to the new team, new offense. So I think early in the season, you might see Ronald Jones get the bulk of the touches for the first couple of weeks, but eventually Leonard Fournette should take over or at least be a timeshare. So in Jacksonville, it was all him last year. That's not going to happen here, but it should be a better offense, obviously a better offensive line. And we know he can catch the football. Uh, he wasn't very efficient with the hundred targets last year. He should be the goal line back, but I think you'll see Ronald Jones in the mix as well. So to me, he's like a low-end RB2, high-end RB3. I just think in some drafts, there are going to be people who, like I alluded to in uh, the – now, there was not a lot of time to digest the news. So that draft that I saw him taking in was uh, NFFC primetime. So I believe the buy-in for that is 1700 where someone took him in the third round. And then I saw an FFPC draft where he went in round six. So to me, round six is more feasible. And he could easily outproduce that draft stock there's no question about it i think we're just kind of unsure exactly what his role is going to be at this time i'm sure there are some people out there saying oh it's his backfield no doubt they went out and signed them but you know ronald jones did look good and bruce arians was praising him at the same time they keep bringing in running backs you know jones was there and he couldn't separate from peyton barber last year they drafted Keyshawn vaughn who basically is not someone you draft right now and they brought in LaShawn McCoy. So that would lead you to believe, all right, well, maybe they don't believe in Ronald Jones or Bruce Arians was just saying that. But at the same time, they didn't expect Leonard Fournette to be on the market. So I'd say, you know, right around RB25 for me is where I'd put him. And Ronald Jones more of RB40. But Fournette could easily pay that off uh, and maybe more if they do give him a good workload, but just keep in mind, you know, he had 23, about 23 touches per game last year. I don't see that happening in Tampa Bay. So where does that put Ronald Jones when it comes to a round that you'd be okay drafting him in? We were seeing him go in the fifth, sixth round. So does this signing push him down to still starters value at seventh, eighth or no, no, 10, 11. Okay. Wow. That far down. Dang. Yeah. Just it has like that. to. It has to. No, and I, I'm with you. I just, I, I don't even know how you draft this guy at this point. Also, with when it comes to Leonard Fournette, I'm just worried that casual players are still going to say, oh, look, 
It's Leonard Fournette. He was going in the second round. He has a home, and I feel like not enough people realize that when evaluating a player now in a different situation, I feel like casual players are still going to lean more towards the third round. I'm still not drafting Leonard Fournette. I'm interested to see where he goes in some of my auctions. I've heard some industry auctions that he, during the purgatory moments where we didn't know where he'd end up, he was going for single digits. Now I'm whether or not I would pay what I think would be a 20 plus price tag. I don't know if I do that. I just don't know at this point. So my game plan is focused elsewhere. I'm just worried, Ronis, that casual players won't separate the fact that he was going at a certain point, and now he's on a new team. People are just going to think he has another team, so his value is completely safe. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, again, it could it could be really good, uh, but it's going to take him some time to acclimate here. I mean, it's he's probably – I don't see him getting too, much, too many snaps in week one. Uh, and they play the Saints, which is a tough matchup. Then week two, they play Carolina. Ronald Jones could go off in that game if he's getting the bulk of the carries. Carolina is one of the worst defenses in the NFL. I mean, they're a team that's just going to absolutely get shredded. Uh, so you're going to see probably if Jones is getting the bulk of the touches in that game, him come through. So it will take some time for Leonard Fournette. There's no question about it because, you know, he's just getting there and he's got to learn uh, the new system, the, the assignments. So they'll kind of slowly ease him in. So you have to keep that in mind. You know, the first couple of weeks, you might not get much from him. So I'm looking at our ADPs at FantasyAlarm.com as part of our tools when you subscribe with us. Get the draft guide to FantasyAlarm.com slash NFL draft guide. And Ronis, I'm just, you said that fifth, sixth round, I'm going to start reading some running backs that have been going around that area according to our charts. And just let me know if you would take Leonard Fournette before any of these guys. Always a fun game to play. Raheem Mostert. I would take Mostert. Okay. What about Mark Ingram? Ingram. Okay. Swift. Swift. David Montgomery. Uh, he's kind of banked up now. I think I'd take Fournette. James White. Fournette. Cam Akers. Akers. Devin Singletary. Fournette. Wow, this is going on all across the board here. What about Dobbins? That's close. It's gotten uh, closer over the last couple of weeks there, Ronis. I'll lean Fournette. All right, what about Kareem Hunt? Fournette. Jordan Howard. Fournette. And can I think of one more? What about – I mentioned him already – Let's go up to Le'Veon Bell. Bell. Okay. See, I have to see where the marks are. And so, yeah, that's interesting. So you would take Fournette still before Singletary, but there are other running backs that you would still draft in that fifth round area before going after Leonard Fournette. It will be interesting, Ronis. I'm excited to continue tracking the ADP regarding this guy because, man, it's just been a huge scramble over the last couple of weeks with the running back position. No, it is. And I mean, it's preparing you for what's going to be a crazy year. I've been saying it for a while between COVID-19, the change in preparation, no preseason. I think we're going to see a lot of injuries and be prepared. And you're going to have to work that waiver wire. You're going to have to churn the roster. 
we're going to see a lot of crazy things. And uh, the season is still a, a week away, and we could have more drama. We still haven't had a, a conclusion to Alvin Kamara. Dalvin Cook is still without the contract. I mean, we got the good news with Joe Mixon getting his, but uh, there probably is uh, some more big headlines that are going to pop in the week ahead. Any paranoia we should have about any of the other Buccaneers weapons with Fournette on the team? Do you downgrade any of the receivers at all, or is it because he's going to take some time in order to catch up? Do you think that works to the other players' advantage in the offense? I don't think it hurts them at all. It's not like Fournette's coming there and getting 25 touches a game. That's not so, happening. No, I, so, just I just want to ask all the questions possible. No, nah, those guys are fine. I'm not moving them at all. Okay, Leonard Fournette, now a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Where are you going to draft? And that's up to you, and that is why you listen to us, because the family is always with you at FantasyAlarm.com. Now, before we get into some NBA, because I know Ronis loves the NBA, I do as well, let's say a big old thank you to our sponsor. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out MonkeyKnifeFight.com. MonkeyKnifeFight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because MonkeyKnifeFight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on MonkeyKnifeFight.com, there are no salary caps and you don't have to play against sharks, which means anyone has a chance at winning, even you, Adam, even you. Uh, MonkeyNightFight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and eSports too. Monkey Knife Fight has it all. You know what else MonkeyNightFight.com has? How about a free $5 game for you for just for signing up? And if you use the promo code ANTEUP, one word, A-N-T-E-U-P, you will have your first deposit matched instantly up to 50 bucks. With a name like MonkeyKnifeFight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Play, play MKFing win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we uh, pay the bills. <laughs> It's Ronis and Justin Fence, the Fensterman, on the Annie Up podcast. And Ronis, after talking about some fantasy football, which we do a lot together, let's talk about some NBA, man. Because, I mean, dude, I feel like every single game, almost, is like a science experiment when it comes to the officiating at the end. I feel like it's almost like triple-checking their own work and it's really slowing everything down, man. I just, I know that you were tweeting about it before, but questionable officiating at the end of both games that happened. Yeah, and it sucks because, you know, we've had some good games and you hate to talk about the officiating, especially there are a lot of casual players, uh, not uh, NBA fans who are, who are watching this, and then you hate for them to see that and think, oh, this goes on all the time, this is terrible. So it kind of took away a little bit from uh, the games, which were, you know, good, exciting to the end, final possessions, but it does suck that, you know, that's what uh, people are talking about. I mean, let's start out with the Oklahoma City-Houston game. The game seven, this turned out to be quite a series. OKC really fought their way back into it. However, I got to say this, man, down the stretch, their play calling I thought was horrendous. 
Dort shooting right at the end. I know that he was hitting threes before, but that's not, that wasn't for him. And then the Steven Adams play right at the end where he's at the arc. If anything, yeah, what are they doing? I felt like I called the play and throw up a jumper and hit it. Right. Exactly. I, we, I'm trying to remember when the last time Steven Adams hit a shot that deep was if you're going to make a play for Adams or he's going to be someone involved as a second or third option, if the first play breaks from the stack, do a stack by the free throw line and then pretty much a lob to the basket and make sure it's placed where Steven Adams knows it's going to be. And I think that's their best bet. Well, and if you saw in the previous play, that's where he was and Tucker wasn't near him. So they could have done that. So, yeah, a lot of questionable things towards the end of the game. And, you know, the Rockets were fortunate to survive here because uh, they, in their other three wins, they they won easily. They had double-digit wins. This one they struggled. Uh, and for them, you would have told me before the game, James Harden's going to shoot 415, and Russell Wicksbrook's going to be 9-20. I'm like, yeah, they're probably not winning. Um, Harden was the fourth leading scorer for the Rockets in this game. So uh, he even said it. He went on uh, – the post-game interview and said, uh, I played like shit, or physically he said he felt like shit. Certainly looked like it. He couldn't hit a shot, one and nine from three-point range. Uh, but that's what you, you need other guys to step up. Robert Covington was tremendous, six threes tonight, 21 points, 10 rebounds, three steals, three blocks. Eric Gordon was big with 21 points and five threes. And Westbrook was, you know, still uh, shaky, but 20 points, nine rebounds. Do uh, they only went with uh, eight men tonight, and one of them, Rivers, played seven minutes, so a very tight rotation here. And uh, I think the Thunder, they made a lot of poor decisions at times, but I think overall you have to give them credit for pushing this to seven. What did they have, like a 1.4% chance of making the playoffs before the year? And here they are taking Houston to seven. Um, you know, I, I don't think Steven Adams was 100% out there. Uh, Paul went 40 minutes and had a triple-double, although kind of – I was a little disappointed at the end. You know, he was talking about the other day when he hit the big shot. These are the moments uh, that, you know, people are made for and some shy away. And, you know, he didn't take these shots down the stretch. He so. took one. It bounced yeah, off but not the many. Front rim. I, mean, I mean, Lou Dort had 21 shots right. in this game. Right. Six and 12 from three-point range. Obviously, we know in a couple of the games they were daring him to shoot the three and he was missing badly. Give him credit for having the confidence, sticking with it. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it's a very good season for, for the Thunder, uh, when no one expected them to make the playoffs, people were talking about Chris Paul being traded and, uh, they had a very impressive season that could still happen by the way. Yeah, you have, you have a team take on his 40 mil that he has remaining, I believe it is. And then, you know, again, there are teams that are going to be building that can spend and, Chris Paul, I think, has earned it. I mean, he's got the contract anyway. So he goes and he mentors your guards for a few years. Maybe they learn something. Maybe you get him on a cheap deal after that out of good faith. So that's why I don't think that even though it's a bad contract, the John Wall contract's different because the guy's been hurt the last two years. Chris Paul is the reason the Thunder was in that position. They were supposed to be the one of the worst teams in the Western Conference, as you were just alluding to. And Chris Paul is the reason that they're at this point. This team is essentially half a roster. But down the stretch, I, I realized that, wow, they really don't have too many weapons, this Thunder team, and Houston surviving. However, I thought from the defensive standpoint, Ronis, that the Thunder would have been a better matchup for the Lakers than Houston. 
Sorry, man. I'm pissed off. The damn Diamondbacks just blew the freaking lead for Zach Gallen. <laughs> Zach Gallen threw seven scoreless innings, allowed one hit, two walks, seven Ks against the Dodgers. His ERA is down to 1.80. And Kevin Ginkle comes in in the ninth, gives up a home run to Mookie Betts, tied at one. Pieces of shit, man. Sorry about that. <laughs> unbelievable, man. What does a guy got to do to get a freaking win, man? And with your game break in the MLB, that's Adam Rodas. Guys had a great year, 1.80 ERA, and he's 1-0. Can't even get a damn win. Give up one run in seven innings. Well, you shouldn't have said anything about that before we went on, Rodas. I think that's your oh. fault. It's your own fault. Now, just blame yourself. How's this- it my fault? I don't know, dude. Can you just tell me who you think the Lakers would have had a better matchup against the Thunder They're or the Rockets? You're going to beat either team. It doesn't I know, matter. but who would be the better matchup? Because I thought the Thunder from the defensive end would have been a little bit of a better matchup. No, who's stopping Anthony Davis? That's a good question. Not a <laughs> nicked up Steven Adams. Maybe a 100% Steven Adams would bruise him up a little bit. Yeah. Not, I mean, the way, but... not the way he was moving. He was moving like he was stuck in cement all series. In fact, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go even further than that and say since bubble play began, he's looked like absolute garbage. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was able to get the rebounds, obviously, against the undersized Rockets, but... Um, there were moments where it was kind of painful to watch them, but yeah, I don't, I don't see the Rockets beating the Lakers. They would have to shoot just ridiculous from three point range. And we know the Lakers have a good defense. We saw what they did to Portland who came in shooting very well. Uh, and Westbrook's got to play way better for them to have a shot. So uh, I see the Lakers winning that series. I think we're going to get our Lakers-Clippers conference final. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it as well as the Clippers are getting ready to set sail against Denver. With the Rockets-Thunder series just overall very – I mean, exceeded my expectations. I didn't think this would be that good of a series, but it really was very even at the end, especially Thunder started showing life in Game 3. So always great to see, especially Game 7 – Two greatest words in sports when it comes to rooting game seven. Let's talk about the other game that went on, Ronus, and that's in the Eastern, the Wild Eastern Conference, as now the Miami Heat have notched another win against the Milwaukee Bucks. They lead the Eastern Conference semis two games to none. You and I were talking earlier about this, and we, we both thought that Milwaukee would come to fight. And it just seems like they're not all in sync. They just, it almost seems like their energy is sapped. It's like some Space Jam crap where their talents were somehow sapped away from them. Yeah, they look bad. They just look like, they look timid. They don't look confident. I mean, to me, the Heat look like the superior team. The Heat look like they're ready to play. The Heat look like they're on a mission. They're confident. They're not scared of the Bucks. They look like the superior team. I mean, if you would have just dropped someone in and say, all right, who's the one seed here? You would say Miami. You wouldn't even question it. They look like the better team. And I just never got the feeling at all. I mean, Milwaukee got a little lucky at the end that it was 114-114. And there were some questionable calls. Um, oh, the Middleton the foul, the foul on Middleton was terrible call. Yeah, and I know they went to uh, – what's the dude's name? I forget his name. And he was like, oh, it's a good call. And Doris Burke was like, nah, it's terrible. I know you've done this, but it's terrible, <laughs> terrible. And then even the one on Giannis. I mean, yeah, he touched him. But come on, man. We're going to call that at the end of a game. Either way, it ended like it should have. Uh, Miami deserved to win this game. They've been the better team. 
And I think Milwaukee's in trouble. I really do. Uh, I thought that he'd had a shot to win this series, but I thought Milwaukee would come to play tonight, and uh, they kind of did it. I mean, they were pretty much behind the entire game, and I know Miami were the only team in the regular season to beat the Bucs twice, but the Bucs have not played well in the bubble. And, you know, the Lakers were in a similar situation, but the Lakers woke up in game two and turned it on. Uh, the Bucks were fortunate that they faced the Magic. I know they covered the, the line in some of those, but it took until the end for them to pull away. And this is not a Bucks team we're used to seeing. You know, the Bucks are – I think they're not used to playing from behind. And they dominated the regular season. They did not have many of these games, and I, I think they're kind of flustered. And, you think and they the don't stoppage completely do. worked against them, unlike most other teams? I – Probably. I mean, look, Miami is a good team and um, it's they match up well, as we saw in a regular season with Miami winning two and the only team to do that against the Bucs. But the Miami's looked way better. And I mean, think about this. Jimmy Butler had 13 points tonight, man. He had 40 in game one. So the reasoning was, all right, well, Jimmy Butler's not going to score 40 again. Uh, The Bucs are not going to shoot as poorly from the free throw line again. And that happened. The Bucs got to the free throw line 39 times. 84.6%. 84.6%. Even Giannis, better, 9 of 13. Butler had 13 points, only took eight shots from the field, and they still lost, man. I mean, Goran Dragic playing out of his mind. Uh, good job by Miami putting him in the starting lineup in the playoffs. Yeah, Kendrick another... Nunn played nine minutes. Yeah, well, they, they've gone away from him. He didn't even play in, what, the first couple games of the in the It's unbelievable, in the man. And he, and he was, like, jawing about how he should be rookie of the year. Well, look, the changes they've made is, have worked. You know, Heroes played very well, 32 minutes, 17 points, five rebounds, four assists. You know, and getting Crowder and Iguodala were big. You know, they're veteran presence. They, they, they've been there before. Um, you know, even at a, it's just amazing. Like, they just had seven guys scoring double digits. And, uh, you know, Bledsoe being back helped. You know, they, they scored 114 points, but... They just uh, have not been able to stop Miami at all. Like Miami is just, you know, 17 threes for Miami. We know what the Bucks do. They protect the rim and they'll let you shoot the threes. They got to start closing these out. If you're going to let Miami take 45 threes and they're going to hit 14, 15, 17, I mean, it's going to be tough to win this series. And they have the guys they can do it. I mean, Crowder hit four. Dragic hit four. Uh, three for Hero. Three for Olenek. I mean, we know Olenek can shoot from the outside. And Duncan Robinson obviously is going to take a lot of threes. So, um, That's all he yeah, does. Yeah, this is, I mean, look, I know it's easy to overreact in recency bias, but I think Milwaukee's in trouble here, man. And, and it's tough to say that because this is a team that won 56 games, but I do not like what I've seen from them in these first two games at all. No, they, they just don't look as energized. And against a team like Miami that can turn it up a notch anytime they want and shoot your lights out. And again, you're seeing top of the key deep threes from Tyler Hero and it's just, you know, again, A, where's the defense? Where's the more per extra perimeter defense? Make them go inside a little bit more. And B, just when are you going to start playing the speed game against them? Because your slow half-court crap isn't working, and now you're two games in the hole, and you're the number one team destined to go to the championship. Not to win it necessarily, but go to the championship. So at this point, Ronis, the Heat, you have them winning this series. Oh, uh, boy. I think so, man. I think so. The and next I'm looking game at it. is right now, I'm seeing it's a five-point spread. Milwaukee by five. Again? Yeah. What? What? 
That's right. Oh my goodness, man. Like I want to take them. I can't. I can't take them minus five right now. Hell I can't. No. I no. can't. And I look the series now to win. Miami's minus one thirty four on DK. Damn. Yeah. Damn. So do we just give up on the Bucks? They just they haven't looked good, and Miami has definitely outclassed them, and definitely on the speed end. That's been a major, major difference. If you, I mean, really look. I think we expect Milwaukee to show up and probably win Game Three. But can we really take them getting uh, 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 given five points right now? Not with the way the Heat are shooting and the open opportunities that they've had from the arc. It's I'm not taking like, Milwaukee. They got yeah. I, I can't. I mean, I'm already. I'm still surprised. That Toronto is favored over Boston. <laughs> Dude, I'm surprised that Toronto lost game two. Oh, I, I am too. That. You, I, and I, I, you and I, I had bets Tor- on that. I gave out Toronto minus one and a half. I did have the under in that game. And then I also, but I did have the, um, what was the other game that night? I forgot now. Oh, the Nuggets. And I had the Nuggets minus one. So it was a two and one night. And same thing tonight. I gave out. Milwaukee minus five, that was whack. I gave out under, no, over 221 on that. That was a win, and I gave out Thunder plus five and a half. So the last two nights, two and one. So that's fine, you know, plus two units there. But I'm looking, so on DraftKings Sportsbook, Boston's favored by half a point. On FanDuel Sportsbook, Toronto's favored by one. And I, look, this is a must-win game for Toronto. It really is, but how is Boston not favored? I don't get it. Boston looks a step ahead of them. I don't, they I do, do not understand they, it. You know they 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 look really good. They have yet to lose a playoff game. Um, so we're I, it feels like we're headed for Boston Miami, which I would know. be. <laughs> I mean I don't I don't want to count Toronto out yet, but you know I was kind of they had the lead late. They let it go. Dang, who had that Eastern Conference final in Vegas? Yeah, probably not. I mean I did mention before bubble play. I said put money on Boston to win the East at plus 500 and then hedge it. If they play Milwaukee, you did say that. You put some on Milwaukee and you win. Well, looks like Milwaukee might not get there. Right. Right. I mean, look, I, look, I feel kind of like, you know, am I dismissing them too quickly, but there's something, there's something not right with them, man. They just don't look the same. And you know, you watch a team and you can see the like you just look at them. They they don't look right, man. They no, look they like, they like don't they're look, in slow motion. They don't look like they believe at all. They just don't. Like no. they don't have that swagger confidence that we're gonna come back. They overlooked Miami and now Miami I don't know if it's that. You know, that's the thing. We have to be careful here because this bubble thing is unique. And maybe it's affected Certain we heard Paul George talk about he was in a dark place. Like, and it's easy for us to sit here and go, Oh, shut up, man. You're we don't know. I mean, this is a unique situation. They're away from their families and the girl. I know they could bring the family in now, but it's just a they're away from the clubs. That's what you're right. I mean, there's there's so much that's different. And it does it has to affect people differently. Some people are built probably for this. So I don't know. And people are gonna criticize Giannis and Milwaukee if they lose this series, obviously. And it would be a disappointment. You can't go through the whole season, dominate, be the one seed, and then lose in the semis. But uh, maybe we find out something else after. But it's it's a unique situation. You know, it, it's like a new season. It really is. It's four, They had four months off, man. You're right. I can't. And, and eight games does not make up for four months no, off. No, it doesn't. It's just – so some of the – like for the rookies, like 
it's like a new season for them. It's like the second year, like guy, like hero and these guys. You know what Tyler I'm saying? Tyler Hero, rookie of the year. That's season you know B. for real. Look, think about it. You know, you talk about the rookie wall. Now these guys got the NBA experience four months off. They're recharged, man. They saw what it was like. They had the experience, and you know now it's a different game. Uh, Igor Dalla did get hurt in this game though too. Remember he left. Um, Derek Jones Jr. came in, and made some a couple of it, three blocks in seven minutes, man. Right. By the way, speaking of speaking of blocks, let's not make like James Harden is this amazing defender. Yes, he had the block on Dort. I get that, but he's still a horrible defender. Right, but he, he made got a one big in when he needed to. Yes, he did. But let's not now all of a sudden forgive how horrible of a defender he is. He got a block. That was great. The difference between his block and Hakeem Olajuwon's block from 1994 that's very famous is that Hakeem was a prime defender and one of the best defenders of all time. James Harden, same team, not one of the best defenders of all time. Well, again, that's why it makes it a good play, though. Yes. I'm not saying it's not a good play, but the broadcaster, I know you watch a lot of these games with the volume down. The broadcaster said, though, take that to anyone who ever criticized James Harden's defense. And my reaction to that was, I'm going to keep criticizing it. He got one, though. I give him that. Yeah. I mean, he came through in a key spot. We know right. he's not a good defensive player. But, uh, yeah, Rockets survive, man. Right, right. By the way, I'll just say this as well. When it comes to this Eastern Conference final, potentially, between Miami and Boston, I mean, I can only start to think about it, but do you think that Miami would be able to use their speed to attack Boston, or do you think that Boston's built to be able to handle speed? Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We still have the I, Let's just think, though. Let's have fun no, with it. No, I, I, don't, I don't like doing that, man. We're not even through the series yet. You do this all the time. And, I, and I'm normally right. No, That's you're the not. That's the thing. It is. Portland. You're going to be taking a pie to the face soon. I am going to be taking a pie to the face soon. That's right. You're rooting. So, wait. You despise the Rockets. So, are you rooting for the Rockets against the Lakers? I personally, yeah. I guess I have to. I have a bet on the line. <laughs> I do. So, oh, boy. You got to root for your favorite team now. Yeah, exactly. The team that plays no defense and doesn't believe in defense except for one block. Although, I'll say this. What do you think? Lakers win in what? Six? I, I think that's safe. I think six is safe. Clippers and five? Man, I just don't see Denver showing up against this team. I, w- I would say Clippers and five or six. Yeah, I think it's going to be Because here's five. the deal. You're going to have one Jamal Murray explosion night. And that's going to give Denver a win. Can they get a second win? That's the big question. Yeah, I'm not so sure, man. No. They expended a lot of energy to come back from 3-1. Yeah, and and... I'm going to be taking a pie to the face when the Lakers dominate the Rockets. So we'll all get to have a nice big laugh. But he is Adam Ronis. I am Justin Fensterin. You are listening to Anti Up. Remember, the Fantasy Alarm family is always with you as we're helping you dominate through all sports, but especially right now during fantasy football draft season. 